Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1059 of the Juice Box Podcast. It took me four times to record that correctly. Erica Forsyth is back today as we continue on our parenting series. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. Also, while you're listening, remember that if you live in California or a number of other states, Erica Forsyth is available to be your therapist. Check her out at ericaforsyth.com. Speaking of dot-coms, CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Save 40% off of your sheets, your towels, and your beautiful, comfortable clothing. And AG1. DrinkAG1.com slash JUICEBOX. Get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase at my link. Check out the Defining Diabetes Bold Beginnings Pro Tip Series, Type 2 Pro Tip Series. All kinds of great content from the JUICEBOX podcast about your diabetes is available If you would like to see lists of them, go to juiceboxpodcast.com, go up to the top to the menu, it'll take you all through it. Or if you're in the private Facebook group, head over to the Featured tab, where you'll see lists of all the series. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Absolutely fantastic, incredibly accurate Wonderful second chance test strips. What am I talking about? The Contour Next Gen. Contournext.com slash juicebox. But if you haven't heard the remastered pro tip series that goes from episode 1000 to 1026, there are special Contour Next Gen ads just in the pro tip series. And I'm just going to tell you, go over to the pro tip series, check out those ads for the Contour Next Gen, because there's a special link in there. If you're a U.S. resident, and this is while supplies last, so do not dilly-dally, absolutely free meter. Just go to the website, fill out the thing, boom, here comes the meter. Today's podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. You will save 10% off your first month of therapy at my link, betterhelp.com slash juicebox. Welcome back. We're doing episode two today of our podcast parenting series that does not have a title yet so <laughs> yeah it might just be the the parenting series <laughs> we should call it the parenting series without a title <laughs> but last week for episode one uh we talked about different parenting styles so um if you want to go back to that episode tell me what they are again authoritarian authoritative uninvolved slash neglectful and permissive. permissive and we did a nice conversation that discussed the four of those reasons why they might be sometimes negative or positive or how to kind of see it in yourself if you're doing it. And today we're going to do, oh, I like this one, building positive communication. Yes. This is great. I'm going to tell you, I think that most of the problems I've uh, experienced in my life with other people are in some way, shape or form based on a miscommunication. So. Uh, yes, it can't be it can't be stressed enough how important this is. When people come into you, do they always come singularly or do they come as family sometimes? Actually, both. I will have often one p- caregiver reach out with the intent of me supporting their child or teen. Often it's really beneficial to weave in some 
sessions with the parent and the child. Mm-hmm. I think it would be amazing to have more, you know, parent or whole family sessions would be wonderful. That is logistically challenging mm. um, a lot of the time. Yes. So when you get them in a room together, do you sort of sit back and watch the dynamic or do you ask questions? Is it a mix of that? Like, how do you get to, how do you get to the part where you have, can make an assessment about what's happening? Yes. Oftentimes if I have a parent and a, a child in the room, often I, I have heard from both of them individually of the, of quote, what is the problem? Mm-hmm. And then it's really beneficial for me to see the dynamic play out um, where, you know, is one person cutting off the other? Is one person misunderstanding the other? Are they really aligned and under, and validating each other and, and practicing reflective listening? We'll get into some of these terms. Um, so yes, it's I often like to see and observe their communication and their dynamic play out so that I can help intervene. Do people assess the other person's intention well? normally or does is that the basis of of a bad communication like you just don't understand maybe maybe our maybe our our speech styles are different or one person is like very black and white minded and the other person speaks an allegory or something like that like is is there confusion there like with how people talk i guess my question is do you find that mostly people's intentions are good yes well, yes i think well there are a, they're in the room, <laughs> so yeah, sure. they're seeking they're seeking help. They have some awareness that there's a problem, right? So there's already that they're leaning into, hey, we want to we want to address something, or maybe sometimes we're not quite sure what the problem is, mm-hmm. and oftentimes maybe it's an assumption of you know assuming what is wrong or assuming how we're miscommunicating. There's oftentimes there's assumptions that are interfering with the appropriate communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of how you think of it. It's, it's assumptions. Like I hear one thing, but my assumption is you mean this or you said it because of this, even though you're not telling me. So it is kind of a human thing to expect that the person you're communicating with is ha- has some sort of an ulterior motive that you're not aware of. Is that right? Yes. There's, and you just practiced some really good reflective listening in terms of you just, I said something and you said, now I hear you saying assumptions. Um, that was really, <laughs> that's really good. So is there ulterior motive? Well, not if there is, but do people assume there is? Like, do people just assume that they're not being told the whole truth, that something's being held back? And then and, and does that cause a little bit of the problem? Because I, I think the personality that just believes everybody, they're not going to be upset by anything you say, because they're just going to take you on face value and move on. But if I'm the person who's like, well, what do they really mean by that? Or what are they trying to accomplish? If I'm always trying to work out what the other person's up to, then I could be putting on them thoughts and ideas that they don't have. And I don't know, it just, it seems to me like it shouldn't be that hard to say what you mean for someone to hear it and for you to absorb it. But it's, it's one of the most difficult things on the planet. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know what my question is, like, really, like, just like what people are going to get. Everyone listening has a misunderstanding going on with someone right now, and they genuinely probably believe that they're on the right side of that disagreement. But both people think they're on the right side of that disagreement. So either 
they don't, you don't want to hear the other person or you're not interested in the other person, or you steadfastly believe that you're coming from a good place. So that must mean they're not coming from a good place. That's the assumption I think is that's it. Took me a minute to get to it. That that I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. That either my belief is right or my position on this point is right and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there, that's where people get into a, um, you know, they're, they're frozen, right? They can't, they can't move past whatever the argument is. If one person is believing they're right and the other person's wrong, then guarantee that the other person is believing the same thing, same thing. right? So then they're not going to budge. And, and what's the extension of that? If I'm right, you must be willfully ignoring me or mm-hmm. not worth listening to or, or whatever. Because I told someone this the other day. I hope that there's no personal details in this, but my daughter has been using a contour meter for years. The contour next gen blood glucose meter is the latest in that line. Contournext.com slash juicebox. The Contour Next Gen features remarkable accuracy and second chance test strips. That's right. Second chance sampling can help you to avoid wasting strips. There's actually a study that says that people can waste up to 100 strips a year due to application errors. But you won't have that trouble because the Contour Next Gen strips my goodness gracious, actually the Contour Next strips that work with all of their meters feature second chance sampling. Means you can kind of like get a little blood, not be enough and go back and get more without interrupting the accuracy of the test. Isn't that amazing? Contournext.com slash juice box. Head over there now. Click all through the website. There's a bunch of glucose monitors there, information about all kinds of stuff. Test strips, and places online where you can buy your meters and your strips right now, where they may very well be cheaper in cash than you're paying through your insurance. Contournext.com slash juicebox. Fantastic meter, fantastic deal. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. I kind of moderated a problem online by having a private, like quick conversation with a person. And that person comes in and uh, to my, like a DM with me and says, look, I'm an adult but I, you know, I have autism and I have trouble like hearing tones sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curt with people, you know, you know, I'm not trying to cause a problem here. And, and we, we chatted back and forth for a second. And at the end, I offered this like advice and I said, look, I don't know if this is applicable to you, but the way I moderate this place so efficiently uh, or in a way that people generally speaking are very happy with it is I just assume everyone is right and wrong, but moreover, that it doesn't matter. Like, like that we're not trying to prove who's right and wrong. Yes. You're here for one reason. They're here for another reason. Sometimes your reasons are the same. Sometimes they're different. Anyway, this person's come here. They need something. Give it to them. Don't ask them why they need it. Don't equivocate. Don't tell them, oh, you know what you really should be concerned about? The thing that I care about. Just answer their question the best you can so they can move on with this information. And I mean, that's how I handle it. But the response back from this person was, I can't do that. Like, I have a very strong feeling of right and wrong. And I was like, oh, oh, I see. Super interesting. And and I think only because this person maybe is on the spectrum, were they even willing to tell me that? I think everyone feels that way. Right. I think 
that person was only willing to tell me because they're accustomed to explaining their situation when they get into those, um, uh, anyway, the situation with those people. Anyway, I don't well, know. Props to that person for oh, having terrific. that awareness. Wouldn't it be great if we entered into a conversation saying, hey, I, I lean this way in a conversation. I can speak over you. I can be rude. I can be curt. You know, oh, that be- <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I actually, I actually said, tell them that. Like, just say that because I think it fixes the whole problem. I mean, you still need the person on the other side to understand their shortcomings or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there, I mean, you've done this for a, a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a thing, like a central thought you have about why people have trouble communicating? Like if I asked you, like boil it down to a thought. I think people have trouble communicating because they are two things. I don't know if I could do one reason. Two things, they are either not listening or they are misunderstanding what the person is trying to communicate. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the person's not communicating clearly. So three things, right? Um, right. So there's there's the as we've talked about before. There's the sender and the receiver. And if the sender isn't being clear and there's interference, the receiver's not going to hear the message correctly. If the receiver is thinking about what they're going to do tonight, or they're irritated about the thing that just happened ten minutes before, even if the sender is communicating clearly, the receiver is not going to hear it accurately. So the sender and the receiver have their own stuff going on. And then there's the delivery and they all have to be in alignment for the message to be delivered and received correctly. But if we can't get them in alignment, what do I do on my side to make it okay? Like, so I -hmm. I can tell you what I do. I don't know if it's right or not. I have this basic feeling that when I'm dealing with somebody, so there's two different types of people that I'm either dealing with a person who I have knowledge of, where I'm dealing with a person I don't have knowledge of. When I deal with a person I have knowledge of, it is always my assumption that they are coming from a good place. So even if I don't understand what they're saying, or even if it doesn't make sense, I never jump to, what the hell's wrong with you? I always stay with, I must just not be understanding this correctly, or they must not be saying it correctly. But overall, I've been with this person for 20 years, 15 years, I've known this person for 30 years, I know their intentions are good. I just assume their intentions are good. And then with just that one act, it all goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I'm dealing with a stranger who I can't make the assumption that they're good, I just give them the benefit of the doubt. And by giving them the benefit of the doubt, it releases me from having to judge them. Does that make sense? Well, yes, and releases you from heartache or defensiveness or attacking or reacting, mm-hmm. right? You are you are responding when you are entering into a conversation from that grounded place of they're doing the best they can, right? Or they have they have good intentions, or they you know are trying to communicate something. You are not going to re- automatically react, yeah, in yeah. an inappropriate way. My best example would be you could live next door to somebody forever be lovely people, have nothing but good experiences with them, been there for three and a half years, great people, et cetera. Then all of a sudden election comes up and they throw a sign in their front yard and it disagrees with your idea. And you think, what's wrong with them? If you just continue to think they've got thoughts and ideas that are different than mine, Mm -hmm. they're still the same people that were before, because we all say that all the time, right? Like, uh, what's the, what's the thing you hear in like the political realm all the time? Like the assumption is most people are well-meaning and probably fairly centric with their thinking. Like, like most people are probably not real far one way or the other. And that we all sort of have the same 
concerns, you know, freedom, liberty, food, shelter, healthcare, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But as soon as we get down deep and we're looking for something to argue about, it's super easy to go, well, there's a difference. I'll focus on that difference. Taking it out of politics and bringing it back into a personal conversation, the minute you, it's wrong. The minute you feel like something they said is wrong, it's like an attack point. And now you're, now, can you hear that thunder? Yes. Oh, this could be the last wow. podcast episode ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the middle of that, I think that people defend their feelings. And I think people get confused with their ideas and who they are. I think they commingle their ideas with who they are. I don't know if that makes sense or not. And then there, that human thing comes in. I want to win. I want to be right. I want to be on the right side of this. Like Bob, even, even when it's you looking across at somebody you've been married to for 20 years, for some reason, you're trying to beat them in this conversation. It's ridiculous. Or your kids, who you would 10 minutes ago have maybe jumped in front of a car to help. Now you're in the middle of their bedroom saying something absolutely ridiculous to them because you don't want to be whatever, like wrong or I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. You got to let it go. That's all I'm saying. Well, and it's uh, the ability to either let it go or enter into the conversation from a really stable posture is dependent on all the other things that happened to you that night, that morning at work with whoever you interacted with, your past trauma, yeah, right? So all of that is at play at every touch point that we have when we communicate with our partners, our friends, our, our coworkers. And it's hard. It's hard to constantly be in tune with how we're feeling as we communicate. Mm-hmm. But the first step is, yes, just having that awareness of how, where am I? Where am I today as I enter into this conversation without attacking, responding? It's mm-hmm. interesting how quickly someone can get lit up and let go of all that stuff. You know, like the, this is just verbal, obviously, but you can even see how that path leads to like abusive behavior too. Like, how do you let go in that moment of that's the person, like that's my person right there. And now suddenly Mm -hmm. everything you're doing is acting like they're a non-consequential punching bag. And it's really, really something. So, so we know this is important, right? To have healthy communication know how to resolve conflict, but that's not easy either, right? We don't get taught how to resolve conflict at all. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) I think the, we enter into a a conflictual conversation based on the things that we just talked about, right? Like the misunderstanding based where where are we at in our own mood level. Um, And prior to even getting to talking about the conflict resolution, one of the easiest ways to make sure we're understanding one another is to reflect back. And it's super simple at its core, and it can be feel really silly sometimes. It's something they teach in all grad schools for psychology therapy, the reflective listening. So you say, I want to eat an orange today. And then you would respond back, I hear that you want to eat an orange today. Mm -hmm. You're starting very simple to then bring it into when you're communicating with really complex thoughts and feelings. The person that is the receiver can respond by, so this is what I hear you say, is am I hearing you correctly? And you can do it written, you know, you can do reflective, you know, written response. You can also do it verbally. 
it's hard to do on a constant basis. But when you start to feel yourself, those like, you know, emotions rising, your heart is racing, you want to attack and respond. And I know, I know that feeling, right? When you just want to prove your point. Okay. Wait, wait, let's say, okay, wait, let's take a minute. Is this what you're, is this is what I hear you say? Is that correct? And that can prevent so much conflict, but it is hard to do consistently. Yeah. It really is. From your personal perspective, why is it difficult for you when it, when it is? Because you have to be checking in with your own, like your own body, your regulation. Are you feeling dysregulated when you're in a heated argument, whether it's with, you know, parent, child or, or partner to partner, and you're wanting to prove your point, you're tired, you're stressed, maybe you're hungry, maybe you have low or high blood sugar, you're just kind of done. Maybe it's a conversation you've had over and over again, whether it's about whatever it is. It's really hard to step back and say, okay, this is what I hear you say. And then the person might say, yeah, this, that's what I'm, I'm saying. And you still might disagree with that. So yeah. then once you clarify, okay, I'm understanding the message, then we move into, okay, how are we going to solve this problem or this conflict? But before doing that, you really want to get clear of like, what, is, what it is that we are having this, what are we arguing about? Mm -hmm. I, um, I will share something personal with you. So if I'm having a, a disagreement with my wife, I should say when, not if, definitely, <laughs> definitely happens. When I'm having a disagreement or she and I are disagreeing about something, if the situation is that I'm coming from, I'm saying something that she's misunderstanding, I don't care that she misunderstands me, but I literally get hurt if she, if her misunderstanding highlights that she thinks I would do a thing I wouldn't do. I don't know how to put that in better words, but when she, if she, if what she's saying makes me feel like she thinks poorly of me, mm -hmm. I find it very upsetting. And then it becomes incredibly important for me to explain myself because I don't want her to think I would do something like that. And then after that hurt part goes, I'm angry mm -hmm. that after giving 30 years of my life to our union, she would think that of me. Mm-hmm. That's mm -hmm. maybe one of the hardest things for me to deal with in a personal relationship. Now, if I'm being a bad person, I just go, <laughs> I put my head down. Right, right. But, but if, if, if I've just said something and you've misunderstood it, my first thought is what I said. The second part, though, is really the part that, I don't know, it lights me up inside. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I guess in a simple way, how could you think I would think that or do that? Right. It's up. Yeah. Don't you know me better than that after all this time? It's hard on me. She's probably, maybe she's, she came at it in that conversation. Maybe she's had a hard day and is not thinking clearly and slowly and is making these quick assumptions. But even though she knows who you are at your core, but this is really common too, right? Like, cause we're, you know, that your partner is, is honest and hardworking, but maybe in a moment you make a comment saying, oh, you're lazy. And then the partner thinks, no, the, one of my core values is that I work really hard. But maybe the partner who accused the other one of being lazy is feeling tired themselves or is irrit irritable because of they got into a traffic well, So <laughs> you're being kind. I think sometimes she's just trying to burn my ass and she picks the <laughs> thing she knows is going to get to me the worst. <laughs> so. 
I think she's like, this argument's going nowhere. Let's just piss him off instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that happens in, in relationships too. Yeah, and it's I don't think a- it's a conscious decision. I don't think someone sits there and thinks, this has been going on too long. Why don't I make him crazy? When you get into a conflict and you have to, like like you said, it's going to be hard to stop. But, I mean, we're talking about parenting specifically. I want to start by by helping, uh, by sharing something that a 22-year-old just told me recently in an interview. Uh, this guy was talking about how growing up, whole time, he thinks he started smoking weed when he was a sophomore in high school. And his father wrote him about it and wrote him and wrote him and wrote him. And then once he was of legal age, he realized his dad smoked weed too. And they were now like not doing it together specifically, but he's like, now it became clear. And he said that the hypocrisy stuck with him. You could tell that's where he got caught. Like, how could you have been giving me so much trouble about something for so long about a thing you do? So I don't care. Weed doesn't matter. It's not the conversation. It's hypocrisy. Kids smell that a mile away. Mm -hmm. And I think it's damaging when you're hypocritical with your kids. But it's hard not to do. It is so, so challenging. Because if we think about you know, yes, you're right. Like we decide, could it be like cursing or something smaller? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something smaller. I mean, even like, let's say brushing your teeth or I'm trying to think of like a behavior, but it also can be something that you communicate and you're trying to raise your child up to, to have these, you know, good habits. And then they learn, I'm just kind of, I'm practicing some reflective listening here to make sure I understand and (laughs) to Mm. say, you know, the child realizes, wow, this whole time you were you were training and teaching and parenting me to not do this thing. I realized you're doing it. I think in those in that moment, it would be amazing if that child now, yeah, you know, adult child could go back to the parent to have some conversations around that of like, Dad, what what was this? What is this about? But there is a lot of pain and violation of trust in that space. And I think the only way to stop that is you can't hide who you are, whether it's in a conversation or if it's physically or like an action. And I get you, like I want to, I'll use a bigger, more bombastic thing. Like if you know the trouble of heroin addiction and you see your kid moving towards heroin, I get that you're going to be hypocritical, but there's a way to not be hypocritical. still. you can still say, I see that you're going towards this thing. I've made that mistake. Here are the things that it's done to me, not just say, don't do that or don't be like me like that. That's too simplistic. You, you, because that also children don't, when you point something out about your kids, that is a trait of yours or a trait here, here's where I've seen it the worst. Let's say you got a couple of kids and one of your kids has some of the mom's traits. Some of the kids has some of the dad's traits. You should never say to the other one, oh, my God, you're just like your father, because Uh, what are you saying? You're saying you don't like my dad or at least this part of him and you don't like me. That's and that's not what you're that's not what you think. And that is not what you're trying to communicate. But that is exactly what you're saying. So you have to everything has to be explained. Things take more words than people want to use, I think, is. (laughs) Is that a fair way of like you yes. can't yeah you, you can't just blurt things out you have to be complete. I feel this way. This thing worries me because I know I've done it already too and I'm hoping to 
help you avoid this issue. Like there, now you're not a hypocrite, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, we, the best parenting is through modeling what you want your child to emulate and replicate, right? Like we put on our seatbelt and we model that for our children and because we tell them to put their seatbelt on and we all want to be safe. And so applying that, the modeling, it's okay. We are not perfect people. We are not perfect parents. And we might make choices that we know are not healthy for us Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. When it's developmentally appropriate to include your child into that conversation, I think it's really a healthy mode of communication to say, hey, I struggle with this. You know, I want to eat red vines all day, but we shouldn't because it's of, I don't know, that's a random candy thing. I was going to say chocolate because I love chocolate. <laughs> um, like we want to, you know, it's okay to say to their child, like, Hey, I struggle with this too, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to help correct this habit by this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and let's do this together. And I'm not saying I don't do it. I have, listen, in the funniest way I can tell you, I've turned to my daughter at times and gone, Hey, look, I'm already married. <laughs> If you want to break somebody's balls, go find your own guy. But I got a lady doing it for me already. I don't need you to. I can't take this from two different fronts. But but when but when my wife's or but when either my wife or my daughter are being constructive and telling me something about myself, I don't feel that way. Right? Like it's it's okay then. But um, I'm sorry, I got to loop yes. back around to, to conflict management. Yes, yes. But I mean, we kind of are and we're not at the same time. So you have to be aware, like with anything, you know, that conflict can come at any time. And that's a thing I think we all just know. Like you're going along having the greatest day and all of a sudden you're in, you're like, how did we get here? What is happening? <laughs> like, I just tried to go yes. in the kitchen to get a glass of water. <laughs> like, you know, um, so you, you do need to be aware it could happen anytime. The, the list I'm looking at is from Canada. Canadians are lovely, so this must be right. Proactive, they're they're saying here, like, like think about preventing problems, not just how to resolve them. Like, how do you avoid them to begin with? Um, and then a lot of stuff we've talked about already. You know, try to understand all sides of the situation, initiate dialogue. This one I found very helpful when I was looking at it. Know when to ask for help. And I try to do that. If I get lost in a conversation, you know, when you start arguing in circles and you almost don't remember what it is you're talking about anymore, like out there, I'll, I'll stop and I'll go, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I, I know this sounds wrong. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you, mm-hmm. you get, like, please just give me a thing to answer right now. Cause I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being shot at from 10 sides and I'm just babbling, trying to come up with something that's going to make you happy. And I don't want to just make you happy. I'd like to actually, you know, assess what our options are here and do something about it. Yes. I think that's kind of on a, uh, on a broader scale to kind of when you're in that looping and that happens, you're just, you're arguing and then you're going on to the next point about whatever household duty. And you're just kind of snowballing into this big fight to say, Hey, let's take a step back. What are, what was, why did we start this? Mm-hmm. What are, I felt this way about something and you felt this way, like kind of going back to the starting like a reset in the reflective listening. Yeah. I think in that space of timing, maybe you guys have got, it's you've, there's been conflict for so long, whether it's been that day or weeks or months to say, we need to either, we need help um, or we need to reset. But then when you're having, when you're having the conversation, when 
you are feeling either wronged or your partner is feeling wronged or your child, it's so helpful to set up the right time to say, okay, are you in a good spot to talk about this issue that we've been that we've been arguing about? Mm-hmm. And this this works for with your children, five year olds, you know, it because we as parents oftentimes we think, okay, there's a problem, we need to fix it. I know I I am in that mentality often. And so just remember our children, our partners, ourselves, we all need to have a fair chance to engage in it in a really healthy conversation. So yeah. to check in on the timing. Took me a long time to figure that out. I know I've shared this with you in the past, but because I came from a divorced family, when there's conflict, I used to feel very pressured to resolve it immediately. Yes. And that's normally not okay. Sometimes people just need a little space before you can come back together. It's a it's a great, great thought. So how do people when kids are what they are like, right? Like, I don't know if, if you all have younger kids or older kids, you know, there's a moment they get to a certain age, they just disappear. They're like in their rooms, they become more private and like the, and that lasts for a number of years. But with all the different reasons why it's hard for an adult to talk to a child, what are some ways to make sure that that those lines stay open? Mm-hmm. Is that? Yes. So Having an established, you know, this is particularly challenging, right? As they do become, as children become teens, they want their independence, autonomy, space. But to maintain the open lines of communication, we that's they want it too, right? I think there's oftentimes as parents, we can assume that, they, oh, they just, they don't want to talk to us. They're going to just, you know, fight back or, but I think what I hear a lot from teens is they still want, you know, with an appropriate level of checking in or a validation. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, I see you. You know, I'm thinking specifically around the diabetes piece. Like, I see, wow, this looks like it must have been a really hard day. How are you feeling? Whether you're looking at your blood sugars or not, just how it looks like it was a really great day. How are you feeling? Or just having those moments, I think also can be, they can be brief. As to maintain that open line of communication, they don't have to be as long, Mm -hmm. but this having these small checkpoints, having routines, if they are open to it, establishing when is your, when are you going to have those check-in conversations? Is it via text? Is it at dinner? Is it nighttime? Is it in the morning? Is, you know, whatever it is. Um, But I think asking, engaging your child and inviting them into the conversation of like, hey, what do you want our relationship to look like mm-hmm. without assuming they want it one way or the other, or you're putting your assumptions on them. You can also convey a lot with those actions. It doesn't have to be these long conversations. Just asking somebody, my son was not feeling well the other day, and a couple hours after he told me that, I sent him a note. I said, I'm just checking on you. That's all. And he said, I'm doing good. I was like, okay, I don't know if he's really doing good or not. But the point is, is that he knew that he didn't feel well. He shared that with me. I remembered it and it meant enough to me to ask him about it later. I think that's the important part. Like people could get stuck on the, the important part is that he feels better. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's 23. He's going to feel better. He's going to go to the hospital. Like I, like I'm not in control of that. Mm -hmm. Right. But the rest of it, I am in control with. Like, you're doing great. Or at the end of the day last night, Arden has been um, commuting to back to college, and she's got a broken up into a couple of days. She drove 300 miles yesterday. It's the first time she's ever gone that far on her own. 
And at the end of the night, I just said, oh. hey, you did great. And, and wow, your blood sugars were terrific. I don't know what you did, but that was great. Now, here's the thing. Maybe she didn't do anything. <laughs> Right, like, like <laughs> the algorithm's just running and it just worked great. And she might be mm-hmm. like, I never looked at that. You know, like, but she still gets to leave that that momentary interaction with, hey, I've done a thing. I accomplished it. And it sounds like I did a good job. Cool. Roll on. You know what I mean? And and, and mm-hmm. those are the little things that end up in, my son had an issue a couple of weeks ago and he, 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 he called us. He was having a conflict of his own, a personal conflict of his own. And he called us to tell us about it. And like we talked about it for a little bit. We listened to him. We offered some thoughts, you know, didn't push him off of the way he felt. I'm like, just like, this is our perspective of this. And we got off the phone and I said to my wife, how great is that? And she goes, what? Like, like he's having a problem with it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, how great is it? He called us. Like yes. that, that's the great part. Like the rest of it's all bullshit. Like, like that, that's what happened, right? He'll have mm-hmm. a conflict. It'll come back. It'll fix whatever. Who cares? We're not going to fix it for him. He thought to call us. I was like, you're not paying attention. That's a win. Yeah, we won. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a win. It's a win in your relationship, right? That to have that established trust and and safety. Like he felt safe in reaching out yeah. to you guys. And that that's and that's my point about when I hear about keeping lines of communication open. I think people hear those things and think you're gonna rattle off these 10 bullet points. And if they just do these things, then Mm -hmm. they're going to have open lines of communication. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's about creating somebody just used this phrase with me. Damn it. I'm going to forget it. A psychologically safe space or something like that. Like a, Mm -hmm. a place where when your brain says I need help, it goes to you. And Mm -hmm. that's the communication. They don't Mm -hmm. even have to be words. You could sit and put your arm around somebody that's still communicating. Anyway, okay. So yes, yes. It's yeah. it's about the relationship, and we it's just, it's hard to maintain that given all of the factors of life. Mm-hmm. But creating that space of trust and dependency in a, in a really healthy, developmentally appropriate way, um, it takes time and effort, and it's hard to do all the time. So the next thing here on our list that I think is really important that um, is apologizing, like as a parent especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, but in general, but it's for me, it's when I learned how to apologize to my kids or to somebody else, to me, it's about like ego. It's about letting go of like that, whatever the hell that is that doesn't want you to be wrong, you you know? So, I mean, my wife forced me to do it. She's like, you have to go apologize to her now. I'm like, God damn it. Okay. Okay. And like, and like, but in your head, I used to say like, but no, I did the right thing. Like, you know, this was important. We can't care that she doesn't like it. And my wife's like, no, we can't care that she doesn't like it, but we don't have to fight with her about it. Like, and and this went the wrong way. You have to go apologize to her. So I learned yes. how to do that. It's very uncomfortable. It, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's also a piece of repair, right? You're repairing the relationship. And maybe you did, whether it's, you said or did something that made the child feel uncomfortable or you truly did make, you know, if you made a mistake in how you communicated it, not only are you repairing the relationship by apologizing, you're again, going back to the modeling piece of like, Hey, I'm not perfect. And I'm going to model to my child that it's okay to go ask 
you know, to say, I'm sorry, or ask for forgiveness. Right. Um, like what a beautiful gift you can give your child in that, in that space. It's kind of really addressing two really key issues mm-hmm. in that space. Um, I think that's, that's great. It's so hard in the beginning, especially if you don't feel like you did anything wrong. And it's, it's, so then that means you can't, you haven't stepped back far enough to reflect on the situation and see what you've done. So now you have to see that sometimes you're seeing it while you're saying it and you're apologizing and you're like every, and it's just, I didn't grow up that way. Like the way I grew up was I told you to do it, do it. That's that. And, and there is part of you that goes, well, I'm alive and I'm successful and I'm like, maybe that works. Like maybe I'm supposed to not care. And I, I want to point out, I don't think you should be simping around apologizing to your kids constantly right, right? right like you know oh i bumped into you in the kitchen i'm so sorry you know like you know like, like that kind of, <laughs> that kind of stuff i just mean when you do something wrong when you hurt someone's feelings or a thing didn't go the way you meant for it to or even sometimes when something's happening to them that's got nothing to do with you you can go in and say i i am so sorry this is happening to you but you know, and go from there. You know, I'm not in control of this, but still, and here are the things I am in control of that I did wrong. I shouldn't have done those things. I'm going to try better next time. I might not get it right next time. Please call me out on it again if I do it again. Um, eventually, that gets easy. It's just, dude, the first couple of times you feel like an idiot. Like, I swear to you. Yes. Yeah. So, it's, it's, and I that's your it, ego, right? That makes you feel that way? Yes. Yeah. Ego and and maybe flirting with that the mentality of you know as you were sharing growing up in an you grew up in a very probably authoritarian type of parenting style because i I said so right because i said so and that's and that and no means no and all those things and i think one of the most common opportunities where we can exercise you know asking for you know saying i'm sorry is when we start to yell because the, you know the kid starts to yell, your teen starts to yell, and then you get heightened, and so you yell back as the parent, and then you're both yelling, and then you find yourself yelling with your eight year old, and you're like, "What? Are, what is happening?" <laughs> and <laughs> you, Erica, you don't know what life's all about till you've told a nine year old to go fuck themselves. <laughs> oh, gosh, <laughs> that's oh, when you know you're that. in the shit. <laughs> you, yeah, that's yeah. You need to go put yourself in a timeout for sure. <laughs> And, and I mean, you know, and parents do that. And I think that's a great, you know, if you do find like you're, okay, you are just beyond, you are, you are at max capacity in terms of all you can handle and you're yelling and you can say, you know what, mommy needs to go get, put herself in a timeout yeah. and like do your breathing and do your, what all the things you need to do. And then you go back and say, you know what, you still can't go to this thing or whatever you was that you're arguing about. Like you still I still believe that you can't do this thing or have this thing, but I'm sorry that I yelled mm-hmm. um, yeah. like the delivery. I yeah. think the go finding space for yourself is important because, you know, your kids don't know that you're really just 10 years removed from being like, I don't know, a girl in a parking lot of a Burger King making out with boys and smoking weed. <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden they're looking at you looking for answers and you're like, I am like barely on top of this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You Sometimes you want to look at your kids and be like, you have no idea how amazed I am. This house is warm. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, right. like, like, so you're asking a lot here, but we don't have time. Like you, you don't have time. Like every day that you don't communicate well with a child, it's not a day lost. It's much more than that lost. You don't realize it while it's happening. That's why they, it's why that joke is like, Oh, they'll talk about it in therapy. 
Like, you know, I'm just going to keep messing up day after day, but you don't have to keep messing up day after day. Like you could mitigate it a little bit. You're not going to be perfect. But again, mitigation would be nice. Like, what if we cleaved off 30% of your stupidity as an apparent, (laughs) like, you know, and, 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 you know, that, that sort of stuff is, you know, joking aside, but pulling that thought together. I do think that's sort of what happens sometimes is that people really aren't, it's the best not kept secret of people who are older. Like I'm not that much smarter than I was 30 years ago. I really, you know, I, the only thing grounding me is the responsibility I feel for my loved ones. Like if those mm-hmm. kids and that lady downstairs didn't exist, I'd be a shit show. Like, like I, I just, and if I had like a, an income, oh my God, what a disaster I'd be. Right. Right. Like so, <laughs> and so that's still like, I didn't go to some class to be an adult. You know what I mean? Like I'm just doing the best I can. I think sometimes people can't quell that side of themselves. So when they're dealing with their kids, they just like turn a key and shut it off and turn into like whatever version they think a parent's supposed to look like. And that I, yes. that can be a mistake. I, I, that's my opinion. But, you know, there's a way to be you and parent. Like, you guys know me pretty well. I'm a moron. But my kids are pretty well adjusted. <laughs> like, like, so, you know, like, I've, I found a way to be myself and at the same time, in appropriate situations, do the things that, that the person in charge is supposed to be doing without hopefully making them, you know, never want to talk to me again which so far so good. Yes. Yes. It's hard to do that as you're talking about, like, you know, yourself, you are, you are so much more than a parent, but that's a, that is a big role. Right. Mm -hmm. And layering on top of that, again, thinking about the diabetes management, I know one of the, the common topics that we're hearing a lot of parents talk about is the mental load of life of their, their work, household duties, and then, and then we're thinking we're already at max capacity. And then we now have to deal with our child's pump change or site change, or we have to deal with this argument with our partner. So just recognizing how much you're carrying as in, in all your other parts of life mm-hmm. really is like the first step in increasing that awareness of how am I parenting? Like, how are you managing and holding yourself as you're, you know, a, as an employee or um, as a good friend or as a partner and your, and your parent, it's you're all these different parts and having that awareness of how much one is influencing the other. It's really hard. It's hard work. And to practice that empathy and grounding and slowing everything down. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, it's a process. Hey guys, just jumping in to remind you that one of our sponsors, better help is offering 10% off your first month of therapy when you use my link, betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. That's betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. It is 100% online, boasts over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists, and you can talk to them however you want, text, chat, phone, or on video. You can actually message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month. So from a practical standpoint, I find that turning diabetes tasks into breathing is, is uh, let me say what I mean by that before that gets okay. too convoluted. You don't <laughs> think about breathing. It just happens. And there are things that are going to happen around diabetes all the time. I try to turn them into breathing. They're just things that happen 
I don't have to be 100% engaged in them. And that's me 17 years into this. I'm on, on day one, you're going to be fairly focused on trying to figure out a bolus for something. Um, but as time goes on and you become better at it, to try to put it into the, I don't know, just kind of mix it into the background a little bit. It's just a thing that happens. I, I've said before, like, you, you don't approach a door and think, I'm going to reach my hand up now, grab that knob and turn it. You just, your hand goes up, you open the door and you're, you're through the other side. There's a moment when you'll be able to get diabetes to that spot. That's very helpful because I think what happens is like those pump changes come out like, and now there's, you know, yeah, I have one right in front of me, like now, like a, a vial of insulin's in front of you. Right. And now it's this medical thing and it's on the table and it's next to this device. And then your brain starts going, oh my God, I can't believe that she's got to stick that on her leg. And this isn't fair. And before you know it, woo, we spiral right away into how horrible all this is. I just don't, I don't give these things that agency over me. I just, I deal with them like they're breathing or opening a door and then they're gone. And that's it. I don't keep them in my mind and I don't dwell on them while I'm doing them. And I think that can be helpful to avoid that because there is mental load. Like, right, there's a lot mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you just stop and think about it, if you're in a family of four, you have a relationship with your spouse, your parents, mm -hmm. the people you work with. You don't think about it, but you walk outside to get the trash. You got this dance you do with your neighbor when you see them like you know what i mean like you're you have a you have a relationship with one child another child you might be responsible for the kitty litter and then on top of all that who's keeping this place safe and warm and dry and who's buying shirts and you know i want to have sex and like you know i'm hungry mm -hmm. and i'd love to play playstation by myself for an hour one more time you know like like or <laughs> you know i'd like to go shopping and nobody bother me or you know what's the thing mm -hmm. you hear people all the time like i haven't taken a sh by myself in 10 years like like right. you know like like that kind of thing like uh, they, it all that's happening at once and then somebody comes in and puts this vial of insulin in front of you and goes hey don't forget that your youngest kid has diabetes like think about that too there's got to be a way where you don't think about all those things and and focus on the interpersonal stuff because i think when the interpersonal stuff gets good all of it gets good that's my assumption or better two two thoughts i think there's there's the journey right of thinking about the diabetes as you mentioned you know you're 17 years in and there might be a moment you know in 5 years where something happens with arden that might trigger you know i'm not putting that out there no, but, but you sure. know as like there are moments like maybe there's you know, I've had it for 33 years. Maybe there's going to be a complication that that arises that you were not anticipating and you'd worked really hard to prevent. That is going to be triggering and you're going to experience grieving around this chronic illness. Yeah. I think there are moments where you can get into that routine where it does become mindless and just part of breathing. And then it's also okay to have moments where you're just like, you know what, damn, this really, this really Stuck back hard. up on me. Yeah, yeah. It's and it can sneak back. Listen, I have a complication of getting old. I just have surgery on my foot, right? And mm -hmm. I I was sitting there thinking, like, oh God, like I'm so old, my toe stopped working. Like, what the hell? You, you know, and that brings in thoughts about how much life you have left. And it's not, it's I'm I'm 52. Like and people are like, that's so young. Is it? Not if I'm mm -hmm. dying when I'm 70, because that sounds like I'm almost done. And, and, you know, and I just starting to figure things out, <laughs> you know, like, so yes. any little thing can kind of push you. 
there's nothing wrong with feeling it and there's nothing wrong with thinking about it. There's something wrong with holding on to it. That's just going to waste your time, I think. Yes, I think there's there's a process and I think holding both of the thoughts that wow, diabetes is not going to get in the way of my child's development or if it's, you know, my own and it's a really serious chronic illness that takes a lot of work. And so I think we're always constantly as caregivers or people with with type with diabetes, you're always holding that, right? Mm-hmm. And some days the about the scale is going to tip where you're like, I got this and it's not going to stop me. And then some days the scale might tip the other way where you're like, this is really hard and I wish I didn't have to deal with this right in this moment because yeah. I want to go run off and do this other thing. It's difficult. It's listen, there's no doubt it's difficult. It's always going to come up at the worst time. But I think that's Again, acceptance is just such a big mm-hmm. part of it because, yes, you know, it, it. I hear people say all the time, like, why do why do I always need to change my pump or my this or that at the worst time? And I always say, like, what would a better time have been? There's no good time for this to happen. This isn't a thing that you need. Like, again, you know, diabetes. I've heard it. I've I've explained it as sometimes it feels like you have to remember to breathe. Like it's almost like you have to sit there and tell yourself, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe. Because if you don't do that, your health slips away. And eventually, like I said, it gets to the point where you understand it enough where that that kind of fades into the background. But when it, like you're saying, comes back and slaps you in the face, all of a sudden it's there again. I was about to go for a walk. I was about to go to bed. I mean, that's the worst. You live with your whole life, your whole day, and you're exhausted. And the only thing you want to do is go to sleep and you lay down and you or your child's blood sugar starts to fall. You're like, or the other day, Erica... I swear to you, I walked through my ha- my downstairs and I was trying to get into the kitchen to get a drink. And it felt like within six seconds, the UPS guy rang the doorbell. Arden's high blood sugar alarm went off. My dog started barking and I dropped something. And it it literally felt like it all happened at the same time. And mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my God. But But here's the difference. I treat life like an action movie that's trying to kill me. I just watch the things zip by my head and I go, oh my God, that was amazing. And then I keep going because, <laughs> because I don't have time to sit around and talk about that. I've done a lot of cool things in my life. I can't tell you what any of them are. I used I have friends who are like, do you remember the time that you went to a private airport at two o'clock in the morning and flew from Philadelphia to Albany, New York with Stuttering John from the Howard Stern Show on a private plane. And I go, yes. Oh, God, I do remember that. But I never would have thought to bring it up because I don't remember. And like, like, and, and to me, that's it. Like, I have memories and they fill me up, but I don't live in the past. Like, I'm always moving forward. And I mean, it's been working for sharks for millions of years. I think people should try it once in a while. But that's all. <laughs> Swim forward, eat a fish, keep going, take a crap, eat another fish. <laughs> and sleep. Yeah. Don't start thinking about the cod you ate last Thursday. It's upsetting. <laughs> keep going. Uh, you have a note here I don't want to ignore uh, that you put in the notes. I know you wanted to talk about it last week and we thought oh, it fit yes. in here too, but let's kind of bundle together cultural backgrounds and the differences that those can bring up. Yes. I think, you know, obviously we are two people. We're white. Of, we're, we're white. white, we're white. Erica, we are white. We are white. <laughs> and 
oftentimes I know it, it can be easier to speak from what feels like normal in your upbringing. We're trying really hard to expose, you know, all the different styles. And I did think it's important to note that there might be different expectations and of how one parents based on your cultural or ethnic background. And I think it's important for us to just acknowledge that we're not trying to say, you know, if that, if that is your custom and that is your culture of how that the parent is the authority figure and that's the way it goes in your culture and your background and that works for you, then I think that's healthy and appropriate. But I think what we are trying to do though, is shed light on other ways that, you know, just where can we improve? How mm -hmm. can we grow? while also being kind and gracious to ourselves. Well, I, I don't disagree with you. And at the same time, I'll add that I've gotten to watch two generations of Indian families show up in America and raise a, 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 a generation of children. And if you think you're going to bring culture to America and then integrate your children with all of us white people, and you think that's it's not going to be easy to hold on to. Like I've watched people give up on some pretty hard held ideas pretty quickly because you start. I mean, you introduce that freedom and I don't mean like American freedom. I mean, just like, right, you right. know, like the way things work here and you start giving people like you can't do this because of that and this and people go, I, I don't know. I'm looking around. That didn't happen to other people. And I'm not inclined to listen to you. And I have a phone. Did you know I could Google everything? Did, you know, did you know, like we brought it up before, right? You can pick up your phone and you have access to more information than the president had in 1960 or something like that, or 1980 or something like that. So you, you can't, it's harder and harder to hoodwink people into doing what you want them to do, whether it's for religious reasons or cultural reasons or whatever, because they're, once they can see it, then, you know, they're only going to do it if they want to, or you're going to have to force them. And I mean, that's on you. If you want to do that, that's fine with me. I don't care, honestly. Uh, but, it, uh -huh. you know, I'm not, again, I'm not telling anybody they're wrong. I'm just saying if that's your goal, it's not as easy a as you think. Um, so good luck. <laughs> We've been dealing with it since the 50s, since like fast cars and Coca-Cola. Like that's about right. how long it's been happening here, right? So, um, I mean, in the 40s, people listened. And in the 50s, it started... But they blame Elvis, right? Yes. Yeah. Can't <laughs> be all. Being like, yeah, the, the disrespect. Yeah. Are you telling me Pornhub <laughs> is Elvis's fault? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Uh, I'm a tree. I'm not a genealogist, but I mean, maybe. Uh, but no, I mean, it's just, it's hard. Like, and I think that uh -huh. for everybody listening, it, forget your cultural background. Like, that's the situation you live in now. Like, you're raising children in a, in a time when they, they can fact check you in three seconds. So it's not even worth lying to them because they'll find out or they'll go ask somebody else. And it's not just about like what is kissing or like now it's everything. They literally know everything. Some of the stuff my daughter laughs at, I'm like, what the hell? Oh, why does she know about that? <laughs> like, you know, and um, it's just they're, they're way ahead of us. And it's going to be I, I want to stay alive long enough to see where it gets them, mm -hmm. because in the beginning they look overloaded. Like, right, isn't that the, that's what we've been saying for like the last five or six years. Like, oh, kids are overloaded. They're getting more information yes. than they need. Yes. But it's going to come out in the wash. And like, and you're going to see, you're going to see people in their 30s and 40s and 50s, I think, that are well ahead of where you and I were in our 30s and 40s and 50s. And then their kids are not going to be anxiety ridden the way they were because 
we're going to have another generation of this under our belt. Yeah. Well, we'll have to replay this in the yeah. next 20 to 30 years and see and I'll do some back checking. Yeah, I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> dead by then. So good luck to all of you. If you're hearing this in a time capsule, if I was right, find my grave and come pour one out for me. And if I was wrong, just cut me a break. I was just making a podcast. Okay. So <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, we've talked before. Episode three, we're going to record next. It's going to be about self-care, personal growth for parents. Episode four, creating boundaries and expectations. Episode five is going to be avoiding unintended consequences. And six will be co-parenting and united fronts. And I think then episode seven, recognizing patterns and breaking cycles. It's about as far as we've like gotten to what we know for sure is going to be in this. But we have a couple other ideas. We appreciate you listening. So thank you. And Erica uh, can help people in person in California and online in California, Oregon, Utah, Utah, Florida, Florida. How did Florida get mixed in there? They're very far from each other. I'm holding up my they hands are, like America. They are. Well, you know, they have. I have some clients there from a long, long time ago, or during the pandemic, and Florida mm-hmm. opened up a really nice telehealth policy. And actually, I'm currently also active for the next few months in Vermont, and I will see if that if that goes past 2023 what happens um, it gets cold the maple syrup freezes up and they take it away well, what's going on I, I, their, their telehealth policy um oh, it ends. might be extended oh. um so i'm there currently do you think well. more states will do it or do you think that covid got as many to do it as they're going to i think their states are currently really reevaluating what their telehealth policy is with you know covid officially ending and some of those policies were closed, but then people, I think, really appreciate them, and particularly states who don't have as much, have many, you know, therapists, mm-hmm. as many numbers that they need. They need the actual numbers of therapists, psychotherapists, all that. Yeah. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. EricaForsyth.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for, li- hey, thanks so much for listening to the parenting series with me, and Erica. EricaForsyth.com. If you'd like to find her, she's obviously terrific and specializes in helping people with type 1 diabetes. I'd also like to thank the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast and for sponsoring the remastering of the Diabetes Pro Tip Series. Don't forget what I said earlier in the show. Go check out that Pro Tip Series for that special offer link. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. And if you miss me in the meantime, head over to the private Facebook group and say hello. I'm always there. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, BetterHelp. You can get 10% off your first month of therapy with my link, betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. That's betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. If you've been thinking about speaking with someone, this is a great way to do it on your terms. Betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. When you support the Juicebox podcast by clicking on the advertiser's links, you are helping to keep the show free and plentiful. I am certainly not asking you to buy something that you don't want, but if you're going to buy something or use a device from one of the advertisers, getting your purchases set up through my links is incredibly helpful. So if you have the desire or the need, please consider using Juicebox podcast links to make your purchases.